We're in Proverbs 31. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and turn there. In verses 1 through 9, we're going to see the victorious king, a victorious king. And so、um, Lemuel is going to say, Beware of women who weaken you, and beware of wine. And so, as leaders, you have a heavy responsibility. You have a heavy, heavy re- Imagine the responsibility a president has. Imagine the responsibility a king has. So these are guys that rule over nations, and I hope they don't think that you know, God had nothing to do with them being there. No, God allowed them to be there. Prayerfully, they do a good job in serving the people, and we're going to see tonight, especially the poor, especially those who really need assistance. And so it's、uh, a victorious king. Beware of women who weaken you, or beware of wine. And then we're going to get into the virtuous wife or woman. And so, in this, I kind of broke it down. First of all, we're going to see in verses 10 through 12, kind of like an overall summary of what this virtuous wife is. And, ladies, I know this is going to be a really challenging chapter for you.、Um, uh, I know that the guys can glean a lot from it as well. But I tell you what, it's so cool that you have the standards given to you by God. And not from the world. And so be careful that you're not conformed to this world because this world will tell you, well, this is how you're a successful woman, but the Bible is what tells you、uh, the truth. And so, you know,、uh, again, no one's perfect.、Uh, I wish they had a Proverbs 32 for you, Manny. You know, I wish they had one for guys. But、um, this is Proverbs 31. You shoot for the stars, you're probably going to at least hit the moon. It's kind of cool. To have these goals. Okay, so a summary verses 10 through 12. And then we get into some specifics, not just overall, but practical. Kind of like Mark was sharing on Sunday. When you love someone, it shows itself in the practical things. And so we're going to get into some sp- specifics as far as a wife goes and the way she loves and a woman. And if you're not married and you're thinking, well, this is not applicable to me. No way. As gals, all of us really, but as gals, these are things that you want to cultivate in your life as a Christian, okay? And so we'll see key words in that section,、uh, key words like clothing and、uh, being a, a right on or Christian consumer, a cook.、Um, you got to know how to make homemade tortillas for sure.、Um, I'm just joking. Capitalists,、um, we'll talk about how she's. Uh, a good investor, really good with money. We're going to see a lot of good stewardship, how she's caring and how she's kind. We'll get into that. And then、um, after the summary and specifics, we'll get into what I would call the storge. And sorry for that. That's the Greek word in the Hebrew、uh, Bible, but it, it means family love, familial. And so it's overall practical, familial. And then the last two words are. Eternal. And so、um, we're going to see how she should be rewarded. And she's going to be publicly praised. If not by us, she will be by God. And so prayerfully,、uh, we all come away from tonight's study、uh, more like this. And so we begin in verse 1. Notice what we read. It says, The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, son of my womb, and what, son, Of my vows. And so the words of King Lemuel,、um, in all honesty, we don't know for sure who King Lemuel is. Now, there are those who say it was Solomon, and、uh, it is very possible that it was, that this was a pet name from Bathsheba of Solomon.、Um, how many of you guys have you know, pet names for your kids? You know, beyond the number one name, you have a, a, a multitude of names. 
That is a possibility, but we just don't know for sure. So one of the things that's kind of a drag is sometimes you'll hear a Bible study, and it's almost like the whole thing is about how this is Solomon and how this is Bathsheba. And the, the bummer about that is that's speculation. We just don't know for sure. We know it's a king, and we know he heard these words from his mom, and that's really all we can teach. That's really all we can stand on. King Lemuel, Lemuel it means devoted to, to God or, or dedicated or belonging to God. And uh, it's kind of cool. These are the words that his mom taught him. And so as she's here sharing the word, notice what she says in verse 3, do not give your strength to women nor your ways to that which destroys kings. And so point number one is beware of women. Beware of women who will weaken you. Now, there are some women, and we're going to see it later, who will strengthen you. There are some men, and of course it goes both ways. If you're a gal here and you've got a guy that's interested in you, and yet he weakens you in your life and in your walk, that's what he's saying. Be, beware of that individual. Uh, beware of the woman who, who weakens you. Don't give your strength to that woman. And then so some people, they have that potential to do either or, or we're going to see later the virtuous woman is a complete contrast to that. And so one thing I will say that if Lemuel is Solomon, he definitely did not listen to his mom on this point, right? As a matter of fact, women were probably the primary cause for Solomon's failure in the end and I would venture to say that if you look at the world that we live in, I'll bet you almost anything, if you were to say, well, what was the primary cause uh, uh, for men failing as leaders? Pride, women, and money. You know, and we see that, right? And so there's a warning there. Be, beware of that, you guys. You know, we see in 1 Kings eleven three about Solomon that he had 700 wives princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned his heart away from the Lord. Just think about this for a second. Imagine what could have been if Solomon was not weakened by women. Because you guys know, I know most of you probably know, Solomon was an amazing king. That guy was given so much wisdom, and he kind of rode the, the tide, the wave of what David had done, and you know now he's passing, he's passed the baton. And so imagine what could have been. And even David, I, I was here in a study, even David probably could have been so much more. And so guys, guys, be careful of this. You know, mom here tells her son, be careful as a king. There's a, there's a heavy crown to wear. Be sure to take your responsibility seriously. God's the one who's given you this authority. So don't get weakened by women who have the potential to reduce a man to a crust of bread. Don't give your strength to women. If you're a womanizer, and some of the guys are, and they got distracted or their minds wander, they have an emotional affair, you name it, it'll take your time, your attention, your money. You won't be able to fulfill your responsibility as a king or leader. You will lose your family. And so guys have to be so careful in this. You know, he, he, she says, be, beware of, of women who will weaken you and then secondly, beware of wine. Look at, at verse 4. It says, It is not for kings 
O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. And so, you know, a king, Deuteronomy chapter 17 says the king, if they, the Lord knew one day the children of Israel were going to ask for a king, just like the rest of the world. And so the Lord said, okay, on that day, when you do get a king, you read Deuteronomy chapter 17, he says, I want the king to write the whole Bible, not just read the whole Bible, I want him to write the whole Bible, and I want him to keep it with him all the time. And so that's how important the word was uh, for leaders. And so one of the things that you'll see about this, and you might be here and you might think, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a leader, I'm not a king, I'm not a president. But I think in many ways, many of us are leaders. Because I'll bet you almost anything, if you look behind you, you're going to see somebody's watching you. Somebody has, is watching how you are as a man, as a woman, as, as a husband, as a wife, as a Christian. And I'll bet you almost anything, there are some who are following you. Think about that. And so maybe we're not kings, but I think in one way, we are all our leaders. And if we're leaders, we have such a heavy, heavy responsibility. And so he says, beware of, of wine, beware of women. Of, of course, it works both ways. Girls, beware of the guys that are just not good for you. You know, the ones that will weaken you. You know, those who are dying in one sense, you guys, you know, we believe the same thing. If someone's dying, give them, you know, something to numb the pain, right? That's what he says right here. If someone's dying, it's okay to give them that kind of stuff to dull their senses. But if they're leading, you don't want to dull their senses. You want their senses to be sharpened. And so we're living in a world that says it's okay to have affairs. It's okay to look. It's okay to lust. It's okay to flirt. You know, we're living in a world where it's, it's okay to have sex before marriage. I mean, you name it. We're living in a world where it's, man, it's okay to drink. It's okay to get drunk. And, and God's word is completely contrary to that. He says, no, even when Jesus was on the cross and they offered him something, he didn't want to dull the senses in any way because that was a very important moment for him. And you just never know. I know in my life when I used to get drunk, in a moment, in a moment, man, you could say the wrong thing. You can make the wrong decision. Everybody's different. Some people, when they drink, they start fighting. They just get violent. I don't know why. Other guys, when they drink, they start flirting. You know how that is, right? Saying crazy stuff, doing crazy things. I committed crimes when I got drunk. They say that every single crime committed in the United States of America, 85% of them are connected to alcohol. So, you know, now you add drugs to it. And, and so what she's saying, she's saying, hey, son, um, beware of women that will weaken you. Beware of wine that will dull your senses. We read something similar in Ecclesiastes 10.17. Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. We're going to see that as we get into the book of Ecclesiastes it was written in an interesting time in Solomon's life. And he's going to share a lot of the failures, a lot of the experiences that he has. 
You know, we, we see here that drinking and, and drunkenness is bad for many reasons. And I think you guys know this, huh? I mean, the alcohol, it will master you. It's addictive and it's a str- destructive to the person who drinks. They bring themselves to a place. Today, all those people that are drinking and spending all that money on beer and alcohol and wine and all that kind of stuff, this, the, the, intox- the strong drink here in the Hebrew Bible was the barley beer. So you have wine, and that's not too strong. And then you got beer, and that's stronger. Just think about what we have today. And so this is where they were. And then what ends up happening is people bring themselves to a place where they need it to calm their nerves. They need it to loosen up. They need it to have fun. And eventually, they just need it to function. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you're there, you're dabbling with that, you're tempted with that, you don't need it. Ephesians 5.18, it says, And do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be under the influence of an artificial substance. Be under the influence of God, especially when you consider the fact that you are leaders. And I tell you what, if you're you know, being promoted by God, you have a heavy, we have a heavy responsibility. You know, it just numbs the pain and it hides the problems. It doesn't heal the pain. It doesn't help us. And so, again, you look at this, and it's interesting. Those are side issues. Really, the main reason in this context is the way that it would affect the way the ruler rules. You know, because he says right here, if if the king drinks, notice what it says right here, In verse 5, lest they drink and forget the law. You know, that's the the real reason. Because if he forgets the law as a leader, he might pervert justice to people towards the afflicted. And as we've seen so often in the book of Proverbs, first fundamental and foremost, you know, for godly leaders is uh, that, that they would not forget the poor because they have a special place in God's heart. You know, the people are doing well. They got their jobs. You know, they're making good money. That's cool. Let them, you know, hopefully they do it in an honest way. But now you're put in a position to help those who need help. And so God has that heavy, heavy on his heart. Look at verse 8. I think it, it spills over to this. He says, Open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and please the, plead the cause of the poor and needy. You know, and you read different uh, individuals in the Bible. Can you think of someone in the Bible who was ruined by a woman? Samson, Samson man, he's the poster child for that, huh? Think about what he could have done. That guy who was able to just, man, with a jawbone of a donkey defeat the army just think if he would have stayed on track just think if solomon would have stayed on track but you know women is what ruined them and then when you think of kings i mean there's a lot of individuals that you know leaders that they got drunk and messed them up i was thinking of leviticus chapter 10 nadab and abihu they were drinking and while they were offering and messing around there in the tabernacle god killed them because they didn't have the discernment necessary in the moment it's interesting when you read that. Or, you know, you read someone like Belteshazzar in Daniel chapter 5. Here's a guy drinking, uh, and they're partying with the, you know, the vessels from the temple. 
And then the handwriting from the wall, it just comes, the handwriting is written on the wall. God's hand says, your, your time is up. You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. And then, you know, you think of someone even like um, Herod. You know, one day he's just drinking and having a good time and this whatever, his wife's daughter dances in front of him, probably some, you know, uh, pr- provocative dance. And he ends up uh, uh, saying, hey, I'll give you anything up to half the kingdom. And then what ends up happening, she goes to her mom. She says, I want the head of John the Baptist on the platter. And he can't do anything because he's made this rash vow. Why? Because homeboy was drinking. Right? And that's, an ex- that's, exactly, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Do you realize the power that these leaders have for life and death? And that's exactly what we're talking about here. Open your mouth for the speeches and the cause for all who are appointed to die. In one sense, that was John the Baptist. But what ends up happening? He can't because he blew it. You know, I think in verse 8 and 9 also of, the, of abortion, I, I know the issue. You know, and you guys should know this, 125,000 babies are murdered every single day. Don't forget that number. Don't forget that. It's just something that we should know around the world. Uh, that's a lot of babies. Think about that. You know, we have to speak for them. Uh, Proverbs 31.8 in the New English Translation says, Open your mouth on behalf of those unable to speak for the legal rights of all the dying. And so leaders, they got to know why, why, why is our president really there? Why is that leader really there? Why is that individual really raised up like that? What for? Is it so that they can, you know, be famous or they can line their pockets or they can have a good time? No, God puts you there. This is why it would be so cool, like I read earlier in Deuteronomy 17 or mentioned to you, if only they would read their Bibles. Man, you know, if only they would. They used to in this country, but, but now they don't. God says to the king, be careful. A, a wicked woman will sap you of your strength. And wine will sap you of your senses. You know, I think we're all leaders in one way or another, so this is applicable to us all. But especially if God has raised you up. And then after the victorious king, we look at the virtuous wife or woman. And look at verse 10. It says, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. And so I think in one sense, this is a kind of like a summary statement. And again, if you're, if you're married, um, I, I want to encourage you to look at this. Um, again, like I said, don't get beat up or condemned because maybe... You haven't uh, done it all. I think um, God's just given us this to encourage us. Hey, this is what I'm looking for. I I think it's applicable to all of us. And you're going to see as we go through the text just how love works and how it works in the family and responsibilities that we have. But if you're single, then I would say you're going to want to try to cultivate these things in, in your life as well. You know, it's kind of fascinating how the final section of Proverbs, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, is an acrostic poem, and it portrays the virtuous wife. And so each of the 22 verses that follow 
we're actually uh, beginning with the consecutive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And we saw that like in Psalm 119 and how they're able to do that. And yet at the same time provide such rich content is amazing to me. But, but we see here that, you know, the question in verse 10, who can find a, a virtuous wife? The Hebrew word translated virtuous, it speaks of strength and, and might and efficiency. As a matter of fact, I found it interesting that the word is usually translated army, army. And the, the, what you find in life is when you find a woman like this, it's as if you have an army on your side. It really is. Women, when they love the Lord, we're going to see the whole thing. And I will tell you guys this. Here's, um, what do they call it when you tell the end from the beginning? It's kind of like a cheat. I, I forgot what it's called. But anyways, um, we can tell me afterwards. <laughs> this is the thing about her. The, 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 the only spiritual thing about her in, really is that she feared the Lord. That's the key, is she fears the Lord. And we've seen in the book of Proverbs that that's the key, huh? I mean, it talks about all these other things that she does, and it's pretty cool and stuff, and we'll talk a little bit about the law of kindness, but, you know, the, the one thing it says about her spiritually is that she, she fears the Lord. You know, and she's uh, um, like an army on your side, the, the same Hebrew word is translated excellent in Proverbs 12, 4, where it says an excellent wife is the, is the crown of her husband. And, and when you look at this, he, such women are very rare. And so the question is, who can find? Who can find a virtuous wife? If you do find a wife like this, you're going to find that her worth is far above rubies. And so I will say this to you single people, guys, you know, you don't necessarily um, go looking for a wife. That's not how it works. I think you've got to look for the Lord. You're seeking God, and then he will bring you together. And so, you know, the Lord here, I think that wives are a gift from God. And right here we see that this virtuous wife is trustworthy. Notice again in verse 11 that the heart of her husband, he safely trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. And so, you know, he's uh, knows she's trustworthy. Um, he knows that she won't go out on him. That's probably one aspect of it. She's not going to become a cougar one day. And he has confidence in her, not just that she won't go out on him, but that she will fulfill her role as a wife and mom, helper and homemaker. And we've seen in the book of Proverbs that, you know, when you're a godly woman, that you're going to be a homemaker, you're going to build your house. We saw that in, even in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 5.14 or Titus 2.5. And, and so when that happens, he trusts her. It says in verse 11, he will have no lack of gain. And, and the New Living Translation says she will greatly enrich his life. And so, guys, make sure. We're going to see later. You don't just look for the looks or the, or the figure. You know, you look and see whether or not she fears the Lord. You know, she does him good. It, it says all the days of her life. It says in verse 22, not evil, good. All the days of her life. Not just, you know, it doesn't mean just to the last day. Well, she does it, you know, until she dies. No, she does it every day. This is the type of woman she is towards her husband. Why? Because she fears 
the Lord. And I will say this, that really the most important thing, I think, in a husband and wife, you know, not just their relationship with each other, but their relationship with God, because it's from there that everything flows. I love my wife because I love the Lord, and I won't, my, my, by the grace of God, I'm going to stay true to her, not just because of her, but because of God. And so we, we see right here, he trusts her. She's going to enrich his, his life all the days of his life. The most important decision you'll ever make after becoming a Christian is who you will marry. And so be careful. You know, we see the summary in verses 10 through 12, and then we see some specifics. And this is where it's going to get a little challenging for me, because I don't know how to go through this. I don't know if I should jump all over the place or just kind of go through. Um, but we will cover all the different verses, um, but some specifics. And so, like I said earlier, um, it's not just a love that's you know floating out there. It's a love that really is uh, practical. Notice in, in verse 13, it says, And she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. This is in reference to clothing. You know, we're going to see later that she takes care of the family in the sense that she's making, making sure that they have clothes. In those days, they didn't have the Gap. They didn't have Amazon where you can just buy clothes like that. Um, in those days, and the culture is very different, an agrarian culture, you know, she they have to make the clothes uh, primarily. And so... We see that she would go and she found, uh, it says right here, wool and flax. And she willingly works that right there in the Hebrew. It means that she's enthusiastic about making clothes. Now, does that mean that the women nowadays, if you're going to be a Proverbs 31 woman, that you have to make clothes? I don't think so. I mean, I know my wife's mom, she made clothes. It was pretty cool. And it is kind of neat, you know, to see women, you know, do that kind of stuff. And if God allows you to do that, that's really, it is a cool thing. It it is a nice expression of loving with your hands. But, you know, as a mom, I I would say, you know, that you care about, you know, the the, the clothes that your kids wear. You know, you might go and, and shop for them. You might actually, you know, be the one. And I don't know how it works in all of your guys' houses. Everyone's different. You're maybe the one that's going to wash. And sometimes you get a mom who even irons the clothes and, you know, gets the crease just right. Sometimes the guys do that, huh, guys? Huh, sometimes the guys, we're going to see later, women, they cook and they're great cooks. And there's something about that love language that I love. But sometimes it's the guys. You know, it's just a practical manifestation of love. And like we talked about so many times that our Christian walk, it begins at home. So all I know is that you have a woman right here that she is taking care of her family. She seeks wool and flax and willingly she works with her hands. And I've told you guys this story before. There was a mom with a few kids and there was a single mom looking at her, envious of her. And she said, I would give my life for kids like that. To which the mom said, that's how much it costs. It does. You talk to any of these moms. I mean, from the moment the child was conceived and they had that baby in their womb, the sacrificial life began and it just continues on. I don't know if it ever ends. And so here, you know, you just got this love and it's a very practical love. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine how it is for a mom. To my shame, 
I don't worry about what my kids eat or, you know, what my kids wear. I mean, you know, for the most part, my wife will be even today, you know, it's still to today, you know, hey, do you have a jacket, kind of stuff like that. I would never ask that, you know. I'm a bad dad, huh? <laughs> but moms, they have it in them, man. I mean, here we see she goes out looking for gathering the material she needs. Look at verse uh, 21. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. You know, and I was reading, hearing one guy, he was talking about how she not just clothed warmly, but clothed fashionably. And sometimes you have those parents, they really care about what their kids are wearing, you know? And I don't know, I think it's just an, a manifestation of love. Uh, she goes out, she brings it home, makes the clothes, or just buys the clothes. Again, you know, for some it's not that way anymore, but there's that love there with eager hands. You know, there's the clothing, number one, I would say, for her family. And then number two, I think we see the clothing for others. If it's okay, jump down to verse 19. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. So there she is making clothes again, but she extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. So she's clothing her kids. Uh, she's clothing the poor. And that's a very practical thing. Back then, it was you know, much more, um, I guess, relevant. But even today, you go to Cambodia, you know, and I'm telling you this, I'm not exaggerating. You know, there was a time when some of these kids, they only had one pair of underwear, only one. They had three T-shirts. How many do you have? And they could use it. So there's this, there's this care, there's this love. I mean, this is a, an industrious, virtuous woman who's just taking care of her children and going and shopping and willingly working with her hands and not just for her kids. It's not just like that because in one sense, that would be a form of selfishness. It goes beyond her doors. And she's over there helping others. You know, we see this. And when I read this right here, I couldn't help but think of that, that gal by the name of Dorcas in the book of Acts chapter 9, 36 through 39. It says there was a, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. And the woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. And they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. And then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows, it says, stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. You know, and, and I just want to encourage you ladies, that, that's the virtuous woman. I want to encourage you guys as we're taking care of others and the poor. This is what God is looking for. How does she do it? Well, I think part of the way she does it is the way she clothes not just her kids, not just the poor, but the way she clothes herself. Look at, at verse 17. It says she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. I mean, this gal works out, man. 
No, it's not that. It's not the physical strength, huh? It's the spiritual strength. I mean, she's not making some type of excuse saying, well, I don't got what it takes. I mean, wherever she's at, she just asks, God, meet me here and make me stronger. You know, we see uh, that that's what David did in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. The Bible says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. Do you know you can do that, gals? You know, you want to take care of your your kids and their practical needs, and maybe you want to help the poor. How awesome that would be, but it's never been done. And now God's saying, hey, these are the specifics. My calling for you as a virtuous woman. And you're like, well, how can I do it? You got to clothe yourself with the strength. You have to gird yourself with what God provides. I mean, this gal, she's not wimpy. And I think it's beyond the physical strength, although that might be part of it. There's an emotional, spiritual strength. You're not dependent on others. And wives and moms, they definitely need that strength. Having to take care of us husbands in so many ways, it's a full-time job in and of itself. And then you add the kids in, carrying your baby in your womb, giving birth, nursing, nurturing, the lack of sleep at times, the lack of rest during the day. It just never ends. And some of you moms, you know, you've raised multiple children. I mean, how difficult that is, right? I know you would say it's a joy, but, but it's, it's something that really only God can, can give you. Now, it's interesting. She clothes herself with strength, but that's not the only way she clothes herself. Look at verse 25. It says, strength and honor are her clothing. There it is again. She shall rejoice in, in time to come. But, but then you look over at verse 22, and it says, She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Now, now you can't get around the fact that this gal is a, is a little fashionable. She is, and that's okay. Sometimes people think, well, if I'm going to be a godly woman, I've got to wear like, you know, some type of like, you know, robe that's sackcloth or something, and... And no, but, but, but you know what? We're going to see as she puts it all together. She's not spending or charging up the credit card per se, but she is using wisdom. And, and so one of the things that we always say when it comes to dressing, I do encourage you ladies to dress attractively for your husband, not seductively for others. It's okay. You know, here we see this woman who's clothed with strength and clothed with honor it is also, it says, uh, clothed with scarlet. And I think that's pretty cool. She makes her tapestry for herself. I'm sorry. And her clothing is not scarlet, but fine linen and, and purple. And so just one thing. When you're looking at the virtuous woman and you're thinking of clothing, these are things to consider, you know. And then, and then secondly, how she's a consumer in verse 14. It says, she's like the merchant ships and she brings her food from afar. John Corson said, this means that she shopped at Food for Less. That's what he said. <laughs> and, and again, I don't know for sure because I know you get what you pay for and it's that, type of, that type of stuff, you know, I'm not saying that. But um, I think more than likely, you know, you just have her here going out and looking for those deals. And as a consumer, she does a great job. And, you know, I think it's good. Ladies, you know, you want to make sure that you're able to not, you know, run up the credit card, you know, where you can't 
pay it off, you know, because you don't want to be paying that type of interest. And your husband earlier talks about how he safely trusts you. Well, he trusts you with a checkbook too, you know. And so here she is. She's going, hey, there's a deal over there on grapes. And, you know, it's so cool to see. And I've seen it, and it's just so beautiful. Sometimes I've even seen people who can afford it. I mean, they can afford the expensive stuff, but they still realize that they're a steward of what belongs to God. And so they don't waste it. And it's just really, really cool to see. I mean, she's, uh, you know, key words, clothing, consumer, uh, cook. Look at verse 14. Again, she is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar, and she also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. You know, and, and again, you can't get around the fact that this gal, I mean, she's up early. We're going to see later. She stays up late. She's working. And here she is providing food for them. And, you know, I don't know. I know we're all different here, and i got to be careful. We're living in a different culture now. And uh, back then, like I said earlier, they had the agrarian society. And so more than likely, you know, the dad or the husband's out there working in the field and, uh, and she's at home. Um, you know, there's different dynamics nowadays. But, but in, in the heart here, I will say this, that cooking, just cooking, is awesome. It is awesome. And it's cool when moms do it. And it's cool when dads do it. It really is. I, I don't want it to be, well, just the gals, you know. But some of these gals, man... They make tortillas that just blow your mind. And then you got the homemade frijoles and then the homemade salsa. What else do you need in life? You know, and the next thing you know, they're, you know, they're doing uh, the other stuff. And I don't know, the healthy stuff. Nowadays, my wife and I are trying to eat healthier. And all I know is that there, there is a love language with food. There really is. I mean, I've had... Man, so many beautiful blessings over my life of people that would actually cook food for me. And I can just tell you uh, from the receiving end that it's a blessing. And it makes me want to do that. The other day I went over a friend's house and he barbecued some pork bellies for me. And I'm like, man, I don't eat this, but it is so good. I'm having some more of this stuff, you know. And so... You guys know what I'm talking about, the love language? And it may not always be you cooking for them. It may just be you giving them food from a restaurant. But I think the motive behind it, the love behind it um, is pretty cool. And I will say the cooking part is good. So ladies, single gals, start cooking now, okay? They say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's more than, more than that, Okay. Notice uh, we have words like clothing and consumer. She's a good steward. Uh, she's a good cook. And then you have the word capitalist, if I could use that word, because look again at verse 16. She considers a field and buys it, and from her profits she plants a vineyard. Imagine having a, a wife like that. Imagine gals having that in your heart, like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to help my, my husband out. I'm going to make some money. And we're going to see later, more than likely, this girl is making clothes, selling them from the profits. Now she buys a field, and now they have this vineyard. 
And so the Lord will show you how to do that, how to connect all the dots, how to maybe provide a little bit more of an income, you know, if that's where God is leading. Uh, all I know is that she is a capitalist right here. It's pretty cool to see. You know, we see she makes money from her line of clothing and then this property deal, and then she uses it to plant a vineyard, which is a blessing in those days. The woman here, who's this domestic engineer, is able to contribute. And uh, notice in verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. So you see how she's making stuff to sell? You see that? And notice even in verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. So not only is she selling, she's selling to sellers. And so again, I don't know how that works for everybody. Um, I do know that she's good with, with money. She, she is. I think that's a really important thing. And then we see that she's caring. If I can mention that again in verse 15, she also rises while it is yet night, provides food for her household, and a portion for her maidservants. Know how she doesn't, she doesn't forget them. She's caring. We see it in verse 20 again. She extends her hand to the poor, yet she reaches out her hands to the needy. And then we see in verse 26 that, that she's kind. Notice it says, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. And so, man, you guys, if we end up with a girl like this, talk about far above rubies. I mean, I'll tell you, you can talk to any man who's a millionaire. And his wife, she's not like this. She doesn't love him. She's all into herself, whatever it might be. He would trade places in, in, in a split second with, 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 to get a wife like this. So, guys, this is kind of what we look for. And gals, you know, I encourage you, this is the calling, you know. This is the calling. You're going to bless your husband. And one of the things that you'll find in life, a husband or wife, is that when you invest into each other, because of the fact that you're one, you're investing in yourself, kind of. You love your wife, you love yourself. Why? Because she's, you're one. And so you're learning, really, I'm, I'm telling you, you may think, oh, no, my husband wants this or that. No, you give him this. I tell you what, he will be blessed. You know, not only are her tasks amazing, but her tongue is as well. The virtuous woman has a heart for good works as well as a heart of good words. And there's only one way she can be a woman of wisdom. She's got to know the word. She has to know the word and she has to know how to apply the word. That's the only way she can open her mouth with wisdom, but she doesn't just speak it like, you know, and let me slug you in the face with it like a Bible thumper. No, she, she speaks the truth in love. She knows the, the right word to say in the right time and the right way because on her tongue is this law of kindness. I tell you what, that's the kind of woman that you should be, that we should be. That's the kind of man that we should be. We know the Bible says that's the fruit of the Spirit. And we have to have this in our hearts. Let me read it, and then we'll kind of finish up here. You know, looking at this woman and getting the specifics, 
It says that in verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. I mean, she's not worried about her nails too much. Not saying you can't do your nails, ladies. I'm not saying that. But she's, you know, she's probably got a little, you know, calluses there. I don't know. She's willing to work. Um, She's like the merchant ship, brings her food from afar, rises while it's yet night, provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservant. She considers a field, buys it from her prophet. She plants a vineyard. I mean, she girds herself with strength and straightens her arms. Again, not just physically, I'll bet, but spiritually. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her lamp doesn't go out by night. You know, and again, I, I would say this, because I don't want you guys to think, well, I got to go home and stay up till 2 in the morning. God wants you to take care of your body. Remember, over, back then, nighttime, you know, what time? What time does it get? Nine? 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock now, the sun goes down. So don't think we're talking about you staying at 2 in the morning. Ladies, get your rest. You get your 7 hours. Some of you beauty princes need 10 hours. I don't know how it works, but that's not what he's saying right here. But she is a hard worker, right? Verse 19, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. And there she is with the yarn and the threads. And she extends her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. How beautiful that is. She's not afraid of snow for her household. Why? Because her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And so now we get into the storge part, or the familial part. And here we see that, you know, in one sense, and it's kind of sad, an American proverb says that behind every, you know, successful man or great man is a great woman. Um, that's an American proverb. And it's true because here's the guy in one sense getting the glory. He's there with the position and the gates and all that. And here's, she's doing all the work, Right. But I would say now, because we know the scriptures have elevated women to such a beautiful spot, not behind every man, hopefully not behind every man, but beside every man. And it's just so cool how you guys work together. You know, this husband is known in the gates and he sits uh, among the elders of the land. Why? Is because he's all that? No, it's because of what we talked about earlier, that some women will weaken you while others will strengthen you. You know, it says right here, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for this merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is a law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. You know how moms have eyes in the back of their head, right? She knows what's up, man. You can't pull it over her eyes. So what ends up happening? Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. You know, and you might be in this situation where your kids aren't there yet, but when they grow up one day, and if this is the type of woman you are, one day they will say, sometimes they recognize earlier, but eventually they will see what an amazing mom I had. They rise up and they call her blessed, and her husband too. He praises her, and he says in verse 29, Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful. You might want to underline that. If you're a single guy, underline that. And beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And that's what we have to look for. 
You know, and for the men too, that's the key. As we're closing the book of Proverbs, that's the key is do you fear the Lord? Do you reverence him? Is, are you in awe of him? I mean, do you love him? You know, when you love him, this is what we see here. It, it just blesses God's heart. And so we read in verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. You know, one day, hopefully, the kids will rise up and say what they need to say. But if for some reason they don't, one day God will. And God will say, thank you for being such an amazing mom. You don't get the accolades. And sometimes we husbands, unfortunately, we, we fall short. You know, hopefully we will get better at this to encourage our wives to tell you thank you for all you do because we work together as husbands and wives. And so... Man, time always goes by so fast when I'm with you guys. But if you get a chance, read 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. And it talks about wives and husbands. And it just talks about how, you know, the world, they look at the outer beauty. And sometimes women, they focus on the outer beauty. And again, we've talked about that. Don't neglect it. It's okay to look good for your husband. But focus primarily on the inner beauty. Because that's what God looks at, the hidden person of the heart which is incorruptible that beauty it doesn't fade and so i'm telling you your husbands will notice okay